This is Risky Women Radio, a show to connect, celebrate and champion women in risk, regulation and compliance, sharing insight and perspective from the most influential members of our global Risky Women Network on the latest developments we need to think about, the challenges we should all talk more about and the innovation we are most excited about in governance, risk and compliance. Bringing together the hundreds of senior women professionals already connected, with a new emerging group of leading women and men. I'm Kimberly Cole, your Chief Risky Woman. Welcome to Risky Women Radio. And today we have Risky Women with the Regulators. And we are here at ASIC, the Australian Securities and Investments Commission with Emily Hodgson. Emily is ASIC's Chief Financial Officer and has been so for the past five years where she has led the organisation's work on preparing ASSET to implement an industry funding model. She has also driven ASIC's work in securing uh, government funding for, for new policy proposals. Emily started at ASIC in 2002 and since then she's held a number of senior executive roles including corporate services and leading ASIC's response to the government's funding review. So lots for us to talk about. She also spent six years in enforcement as the joint lead of the New South Wales Enforcement Directorate. She is originally an auditor um, with leading accounting firm KPMG and PwC and has a Bachelor of Commerce with a major in accounting from the University of Newcastle. So welcome, Emily. Thank you, Kimberly. (laughs) Great to have you here. So let's kick off and you know, you've done a lot of very interesting things in your career. So can you kind of tell us about your career journey today? I, I can. Um, just I'll just point out the highlights. Um, so I actually grew up in the country. So I'm from regional New South Wales. Um, so I guess I left home at 18 to go to university. Um, and I had a different career in mind when at, at that point in time. I, I was going to work in, in tourism and hospitality. I had this vision for what I was going to do. Um, I think after two years, I, I sort of came to the realisation that um, it was probably better for me to get a, a good firm degree behind me. And then from there, if I still wanted to continue in the tourism and hospitality field, I could, I could you know, move over to that sector. Um, so after two years, I, I ended up um, moving to a different university, took me closer to home, not to home, but, you know, only three hours away. Um and I also got to work for a, uh, a big four accounting firm. So I started as an undergraduate doing my commerce degree and uh, working for one of the big four firms. And that, I mean, that was a great time in my career. Um, I spent about six years working, uh, working for the audit firms. Um, being in a, I was in, still in a regional area, I still got, I got to work across a number of different areas. So I didn't just do audit, I got to do some transactional services work, business services work, advisory advisory work as well. So for someone that's just starting out, that's a really good, good grounding to have. Um, I moved, then moved to Sydney, and that was around 16 years ago. I uh, moved with the accounting firm, but after a while I, I wanted something different. I thought I'd, I'd move into the field of forensic accounting. Mm. Um, and that's actually what brought me to ASIC. So right. that was 16 years ago, um, and I started in the enforcement team, and my first gig, I guess, was setting up the forensic accounting team in New South Wales. So um, that that was a, a really good experience. And from there, I sort of progressed further into enforcement, um, taking 
taking advantages of opportunities as they came up for me where I got to sort of learn more about the enforcement way of things and then um, moving into um, more leadership roles in enforcement. Um, from there I um, took some time off, had some maternity leave and came back and got more involved in the operational side of ASIC. So I, I got some good exposure to corporate services which included um, looking after overseeing ASIC's um, property portfolio. Um, our leasing. Um, also, I think that was probably for around 12 months. And from there, um, another opportunity came up to get involved in um, uh, setting the sustaining level of ASICS funding. So I, I took advantage of that as well. And that then led me to the CFO role. So I think I've, um, I've taken advantage of lots of opportunities that have arisen while I've been at, at ASIC. Um, I was only going to stay for two years and get my experience in forensic accounting and then go back out to the, the big four possibly. Um, but I've enjoyed my time here so much and I guess evolved a career while I was here and um, and um, still here after after those 16 years. So Very interesting. I, I, I mean, I always think forensic accounting sounds quite fascinating um, and maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Um, so what kind of skills... Because you've obviously get some very specific skills doing things like forensic accounting, um, you know, and but then you've managed to move between all these different roles from operational type roles and now into the CFO role. What sort of what are the skills if you were defining what it is that you know you think is key to your success and your career journey that you've learnt along the way? I think the. But the, probably the most important thing I learned was the value of the team. So the value of the team that you have behind you. Um, in a lot of those roles, I was not a subject matter expert, um, but it was about understanding that the team had the subject matter and it was about working with the team and leveraging those skills from the team to get the best outcomes. And in all of the roles across ASIC, that has been really important, I mm. think, um, for me. Um, I've also learned the importance of communication and it's just a communication with your team as communication up as well. It's not having any surprises. It's about keeping everybody informed on, on what's going on. Um, very important part of the CFO role, um, not having any surprises um, across ASIC. Um, and I've also learned the importance of good governance, good processes and good procedures. And that's just such an important foundation any, in any area that, that you work in, um, getting that right from the beginning. Mm, interesting. So what's, what's it like a day in the life of a CFO? <laughs> and what's kind of unique about being a CFO at ASIC? So a day in my life is sort of getting up and wrangling three kids and convincing them they need to go to school. Um, <laughs> making the sandwiches um, and um, then coming to work feeling like you've already done half a day job. Um, <laughs> what's different about being CFO at ASIC? I think the, the key difference obviously is we're not here to make a profit. We're actually here, um, uh, we're, we're appropriated and from my perspective it's about utilising that appropriation the best way and ensuring that we spend that appropriation. Um, it's about uh, the efficient, the effective and good use of, of that appropriation as well. Um, I think then key to that really is, is the management accounting team and on, on a day-to-day -day basis that, you know, they, they've got quite a critical role in, in making sure that we, we do manage that. 
Um, and is that part, so the management accounting team is part of your team? That's how, part how of big, my team. How big is your team? So I've got around 65 people in the finance team. Um, it's quite big because um, we actually um, administer the revenue, collect the revenue for government on behalf of um, the registry business as well. So that's around, I think this this financial year we're, we're estimating around a billion dollars. So we, that's the debt management of that, that right. funding. Um, hand in hand with that is we do get a lot of fee waiver requests. So there's sort of a big, a big piece around debt management there. Um, we also manage um, unclaimed monies. So banking life and um, companies' unclaimed monies is, uh, is re- returned to government after a certain period of time and ASIC is responsible for, I guess, managing and, and administering that. So return of funds when applicants come through after they've identified the funding. So that's, um, yeah, that, that's a big piece of what we do. And in, in your current role, can you share more on sort of what are your main focus areas? Um, and you talked about or, or in your job description around industry funding and that model. So how, are you, how do you bring all of that together? So um, since, I think, 2013, 2014, ASIC's actually been um, working on um, establishing an industry funding model. So that, that's about recovering the costs of regulating um, from those that um, create the need for regulation. So what we, um, from my perspective, what we're doing is operationalising that, that model. So we've spent a number of years uh, working with government and working with industry to, um, I guess, define that model. And this will be our first year of, of collecting invoices, issuing invoices and collecting revenue under that, that funding model. Great. Um, so what's been your biggest career highlight so far? Um, so I, I guess for me, I've worked on a number of significant funding bids over the years and um, a lot of effort goes into those funding bids. There's a lot of strategic work to sort of set out why we, why, what we're going to do with the money, why we need the money um, and justifying the usage of the funds and the benefits of those funds um so across the year i think that across the years there have been a couple of quite significant ones i've worked on and um we've been successful in in securing that funding so um that for me is is a highlight when we are actually successful in that um another career highlight for me is i'm actually um in my spare time um I'm, I'm part of the Women's Community Shelters um, group, so I'm actually sit on the board for Women's Community Shelters, and that is that's a career highlight for me as well. Um, securing a position on that board, I work with a great group of people, and um, the work that the, the the shelter group does is just amazing. So for me, that that's a career highlight as well. Yeah, fantastic. Being able to use the skills that I've yeah. acquired over the years and actually helping. Um, helping is just yeah is do just some really for good. good stuff yeah. some for good stuff yeah yeah absolutely yeah, definitely um and any other kind of focus areas um that you're you know that you're looking at at the moment from the CFO position um so uh, something significant the government of, that we're working on at the moment is um, the modernisation of ASIC's registry business so that's another key piece of work that's occurring across ASIC and um, as CFO. Um, there's a number of us on the team that have a have a role to play in that as well. So, um, 
yeah, we. I think that's what I enjoy about the work. It's the partnering with across ASIC to to actually achieve some of these outcomes. So, and Great. work on some of these projects. So I think your career is quite interesting in terms of different. You know, you. I mean, obviously you've got underpinning. You know, similar things, but you've done a whole range of different roles in different areas. Um, so, you know, and come from industry and then moved into the yep. regulator. So, I mean, what do you, what are the risks that you feel that you've personally taken along the way? So, I, career risks. Career yeah, risks. Yeah. I think a lot of the time when I've stepped into a new challenge, it's it's put me out of my comfort zone, and that's not always something that I have been comfortable doing. Um, I remember in particular that I went to manage a team that I was completely not familiar with. There were the the subject matter I was not familiar with and I sort of turned up to manage this very small team who between four, you know, there, there weren't many on the team but I think they had over 100 years of experience and I had one year of experience. And and for me, that that's just such a big challenge um, and it's about how you... How, how you get your head around that challenge and how you're going to work with that team to get the best out of that team. I mean, there's obviously some resentment when you turn up when there's, um, you know, so much knowledge within the team and not a lot of knowledge at the top. So it's about how you work with work with the team to get their, um, to get their support and their understanding. And so for me, there have been risks I've taken as I've stepped up, but it's about um, getting the right support around you to achieve and get the most out of that that next position and that next step that you've taken. Yeah, no, I think, I mean, some of that is, you know, often people refer to that imposter syndrome as well where you don't have your own self-belief and, you know, it's a, it's a challenge I think many, many face. I think it is and, and you know, yeah, I totally agree with you on that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so... What's the what's the key things in the CFO role that you think uh, really create business impact? And then, if you're thinking about that broadly in terms of what does success look like? So I see my I do see my role and the the role of the team as partnering with the business. And so success for me is the business achieving its outcomes. So if if I need to ensure that we get additional funding or that we're appropriately using the funding or I've set up the right processes and procedures to enable the business to work smoothly, then I've achieved success. That's great. So enabling the business. Yeah. And al- along the way, you, I mean, you have to create your, your processes, your procedures, your governance and your compliance environments. Um but I, I think there is a fine line between getting that right and then I guess creating too much red tape for the business. So it's about, um, it's about that balance to ensure that the, that the business can, can succeed. And so, you know, throughout your, um, all of the different functions, managing risk uh, must have played a role. Everything from your sort of audit functions mm-hmm. to enforcement to even now. Um, how have you how have you done that? How have you looked at managing risk? What sort of I guess you know procedures and and best practice do you put in place around around that? So I think it's important that um, you do get the basics right, and that the governance structure, the governance, the processes, and the procedures that you set up 
um, you get you get that you get it right from the beginning, and you get the culture right as well. Too. If the the culture's not there, then you you're just not going to get the best out of the structures that you that you've set up, um, and you won't get adherence to it either. Um, I also think that in all these roles, no matter what, there's always going to be a piece of legislation or or something underpinning what we're doing. So. Um, you, you'll set up processes and procedures around that, but um, it's not just about setting and forgetting. You're mm. going to have to, you set, but you need to review and you need to renew and you need to rebuild those compliance functions as well and the compliance frameworks um, that, that you've set up. So I think if I look at, um, say, finance in ASIC, we, um, you know, we're, We've got a large responsibility for ensuring compliance with the, the Public Governance Performance and Accountability Act, um, the PGPA Act, and that's about setting the principles for good governance in, in an organisation and for the good use of public resources. And what we do in finance is we set that up, we set processes and procedures um, to ensure that that there is accountability over the use of, of, gov- of government resources. Um, there's always a fine line, as I've mentioned earlier, about the red tape. You know, are we creating red, too much red tape for the business? So yeah. it, that's where I go back to that reviewing, renewing, rebuilding, and, and just making sure that, um, that what you've established is right and it's right for now and can carry you into the future as well. So... Yeah, interesting. I mean, that kind of continual iteration necessary to make sure that it's right for the current time. And I, yeah. I, I also liked your, you know, culture and adherence. If you don't have the culture right, yeah, you're never going to get adherence. And I've spoken about that in other podcasts as well. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah culture to me is very important. Yeah. Um, now, there continues to be a lot of disruption in all industries. Um, you know, we talk fintech and regtech all the time. Um, there's lots of hot topics that are actually called hot topics on the ASIC <laughs> on the ASIC's <laughs> website, um, and they look at a range of different things. You know, everything from obviously drought relief at the moment, and looking at you know um, payments for for drought relief. You've got your innovation hub, and I know ASIC's doing a lot in that space. There's industry funding. There's stuff around initial coin offerings and cryptocurrencies. So um, how do you help, you know, managing what could often be a lot of competing priorities um, and and how, you know, and how do you see that the regulators that are helping with all of this as the industry continues to evolve and be disrupted? Um, so what, what this is part I enjoy about my role is that I do get to partner with the business. Um I might be significantly involved in a lot of these, and the team might be significantly involved. In significantly involved, but in other respects, we're not involved at all in some of the some of the initiatives that are going on at the moment. Um, what I what I think it's important that finance does is make sure that um, that the teams are enabled, that they have um, that they've got the right resources, and the I guess the then the capacity and capability to to focus on these areas. And you're right, it can be, you know, it can almost be distracting. We do, there is a lot on our plate at the moment. So it's about prioritising those, um, making sure we've got the resources to work on them and 
from my finance perspective, making sure that we're helping um, where we can, enabling them to to actually get some get you know achieve successes in these areas. Yeah, and I mean, it sounds like I mean you've obviously got quite a broad role because you could potentially be across all of these things, um, which must be very interesting as well. Very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Connecting, celebrating and championing women in risk regulation and compliance, Rescue Women Radio takes an intimate look at the rants and revelations of the top women shaping the debate and the industry. Okay, we're going to move on to my favourite section, mm-hmm. Risky Women Rants and Revelations. So we, um, this is just a bit of bit of fun Mm -hmm. um so let's start with your revelation and i always describe this as either the advice that you would give to your younger self or you know if you were queen for the day what what is that one thing that you are going to uh change i could go a number of ways with this one (laughs) probably about some of the clothing i used to wear but anyway (laughs) i would say for myself is don't be so self-conscious don't be so um Concerned about what other people think. Don't be so self-doubting. Um, be confident and take hold of take hold of your career at an early stage. Trust your intuition. If if you're doubtful about something, it's probably right. So, um, I, you know, during my career, I probably took a bit long to make some decisions to move to some to some roles and. Um, Maybe I knew that at the time, um, but I sh- and I should have really trusted trusted my intuition at the time. So I probably learnt this a bit later in life, and I'm trying to adhere to it now. Um, but that's definitely something I'll be telling my my three children, my two daughters, um, just to be yeah, be more confident. Great, um, excellent. So now on the other side, what's your rant? So what is that one thing that you wish that you could change now, and why? Oh making work-life balance more manageable. I mean, um, we all hear about work-life balance um, and it would be great if we could achieve that work-life balance, but it's hard, it's, it's very hard. And um, I have you know, three young children, um, a husband, I've got some other interests outside of work as well, and then I have a significant role here. And it's about getting the balance between all of those right and it's not easy. And Sometimes you're standing at a book parade at school, letting somebody at work down because you're not at a meeting. And other times you're at a meeting and you're not at the Easter hat parade and you're letting your children down. So um, it's about getting that work-life balance more manageable, if I could, if we all could. um, (laughs) I think also you need to not be so hard on yourself. Oh, yes, I know, (laughs) but... um, Risky Women is a vibrant network at the centre of a global community in a rapidly growing, evolving and influential industry. Given the continued pace of change, our Rapid Fire Round revisits the most pressing topics to share ideas and offer listeners new perspectives. All right, our Risky Women Rapid Fire Round. One word to sum up the world from a governance, risk and compliance space. Engage. So I say engage with risk, engage with governance, engage with compliance and work in partnership. So don't see it as an add-on. Yes. It's, it's a critical part of the business. Excellent. Um, your top risk for 2018? 
I've touched on it already, but I think um, it might have been the buzzword for 17, but I think it's still culture. I think a poor compliance culture um, just le leads to bad outcomes. So, yeah. Uh, the cure for the cost of compliance. Cure for the cost of compli compliance, I think embrace compliance. So don't be lax about compliance. Focus on compliance because we have seen the damage that um, I guess a poor approach to compliance can cause, be it reputational risk, reputational damage down the track. Um, get it right now. Get it right now. And the biggest technology impact on compliance and risk? Um, I think that's around, what I'm going to say there is old systems partnering with new systems, new systems partnering with old processes. So uh, technological change needs process change as well, but you're never going to have a complete set of new systems, I don't think. So it's getting it right between those three, old system, new system, old processes, new processes. That's four. <laughs> Sounds like transformation in, yeah. <laughs> overall. Um, outlook for the year ahead. Are you optimistic, pessimistic or uncertain? I'm optimistic. Excellent. I'm optimistic. Learn from mistakes and challenges and see things, I think, as opportunities for change. Fantastic. Well, Emily, it has been fabulous having you on Risky Women Radio and as a Risky Women regulator. So thank you for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for listening to this exciting episode of Risky Women Radio to connect, champion and celebrate women in risk regulation and compliance. I'm Kimberly Cole, based in Hong Kong. For more information on the Risky Women Global Network, head to our website in the episode notes and please be part of the ongoing conversation by subscribing to this podcast, connecting with us at Risky Women on Twitter, or even reaching out to me directly by email.